I'm Lizzie. I'm Nat. Welcome to The Third Space, a podcast for youth workers, by youth workers, to talk about the highs and lows of working with young people outside of school and home. Right, now it's my turn. Today's episode is about boundaries in digital and phone communication. So for today's check-in, let's do names, pronouns, and your fave and least fave method of communication. Lizzie, do you want to start? I am happy to start. Um, So I'm Lizzie. My pronouns are she and her. Um, I feel most passionately about my least favorite kind of (laughs) communication, so I'm going to start there. Um, my least favorite form of communication is like any kind of like photo messaging back and forth. I feel Mm. like popularized in a Snapchat form, but I don't have Snapchat, but I feel like people still do it even when they're not snapping Mm -hmm. where you like take pictures of yourself doing things in your life and then you send it to somebody else and then they take pictures of themselves doing things in their life and then they send it back to you. And I feel like the, I understand that the intended the intended purpose of such communication is that you're like, look at all the things I'm doing. And then the other person's like, look, I'm doing these things. And you're supposed to like stay connected that way. But I just like, I don't take pictures. I don't know how to selfie. I just really struggle. I'm just feeling really red right now. Cause Why? you just saw me take a picture of myself and send it to my friend from our illustrious recording studio. Um, <laughs> also known as the closet. Um, <laughs> But, I mean, I get that it works for other people. It's just, like, not my thing. Um, My favorite method of communication. um, Well, I have to say, well, I have two because, like, rules are made to be broken. One, I really enjoy, I mean, my in-person meetings are my favorite, but, like, second in terms of, like, video like or digital and phone communication video conferencing Mm -hmm. I've really gotten down with I like Mm -hmm. so prefer the video call to the actual call Mm -hmm. um so I just like really appreciate the video chat but also the new the and I know you can't do this because you're an android user but in iphones how you can react to people's text messages Mm -hmm. I just like I was really resistant at the beginning but now I just really appreciate being able to be like, aha, yeah, great, without having to, like, emote. Mm. Maybe I'm just lazy. I don't know. Mm. That's my favorite. Anyway, your turn. Yeah, I don't know if this is just because I am old (laughs) school. Um, I think texting, like, remains my favorite or, like, text-based, right? Um, Except for Facebook Messenger, I really can't really stand using Facebook Messenger, but I really I've really leaned into since they've made keyboards a little bit more accessible in mobile settings, like the sending of GIFs or GIFs. I know there's some strong controversy. They're definitely GIFs. I have also heard very strong arguments for GIFs. Definitely we GIFs. don't need to argue. We don't need to debate it here. Um, but whatever, like votes welcome. Quick moving pictures to people feel really fun to me, and I've really enjoyed um, taking that on. I think also like emojis, I really like. So yeah, like text based. Um, though I bit will emojis. I do have a bit emoji. I do not use them as often as. Some people, mostly my father, 
whose I think preferred way of communicate of of digital communication is the Bitmoji. Um, yeah, I think I only use them in response to other people's Bitmojis, if that makes sense. Um, but I would have to agree with you. Like video conference, not like video conference feels so like hella corporate and like business rooted but I also well like I'm thinking of like Marco Polo or which I mean isn't in real time you're shooting like videos to that allows you to clarify Marco Polo lets yes. you send videos from person to person yes. it's like easier than trying to like record a video on your phone and then text that to somebody it's like in right. the app you record videos yes back and forth. because again for someone for for all my fellow Android users who don't have the gift of iMessage to send videos or pictures easily. Um, but also like I think of video chats that I've had again, because most of my friends have iPhones and so they may like FaceTime. I've done video chats via WhatsApp, things like that. And so like I I enjoy like the the in real time face-to-face communication as well. Um least favorite which is like interest ironic too because i i i think i snapchat is my least favorite but also because i just don't really understand it and so then have like deleted the app now um but it feels like maybe snapchat would be somewhat aligned with those more like video um like communications but it's just so short and I just don't. And like, there's so like the, the filters, filters are weird or like even like, and now like Instagram is doing that too. Where you but can people like, really like, love that. So yeah. I don't and like personal, right. Brain. Exactly. And like personalizing the videos with like, te- I just like, it's, I just don't understand it. So like for me, like the simpler, the better, like, Oh, I can just talk at my phone and know that I'm talking to my friend. Cool. Like, Oh, I'm sending this gifts, GIF. um and some emojis like cool like it just feels very straightforward and clean to me and like requires the least amount of effort that's real and now that we've talked all about the different kinds of communication that we like um we're going to shift gears into our topic which is a reminder it's just talking about boundaries and digital and phone communication um so even aside from what we like, what is effective um, and useful in our youth work. Um, so today, Nat, you're going to start us off with a story. So go for it. Yeah. Um, cool. So back when, so I feel like it's important to note that this was during a transitional period. I know we're going to go more into that later, but um when I had a youth leader involved in, um, you know, our, our youth leadership program, who was also like new to the program as well. Um, and I think had like come to it via like had attended one of our events, I think felt excited at the prospect, but particularly in this young person, for the sake of this story, we will call Summer. Um, Summer really, I think, like appreciated the programming, but also was like one of those young folks who were just like, I connect more with adults than Mm. I do with my peers, you know? Mm. Um, And, you know, it was great. They were coming to meetings and participating eh, sporadically. I wouldn't say super um, consistently, but I, I started noticing a pattern with summer where they would reach out 
um, in times of of crisis and really high distress, right? And um, particularly on weekends, which I found really hard. I I didn't know how to navigate that, right? Um, and didn't have a lot of. So I had I had my experience as a former like case manager in residential settings, so knew kind of how to respond appropriately through that lens. Um, but that was also a very different space than this other job with with an organization that didn't really do direct um, direct services like that. And so, um, so summer, you know. After a couple times of summer reaching out, I think it was and through various means, through um, mostly like texting and calls and re- really receiving a couple messages indicating that this was like their final goodbyes. Um, I eventually, you know, after, of course, like making sure that they were okay and then having to check in with my like management at my organization, um, ended up just having to like have a pretty clear conversation about like, Hey, um, these aren't the specific services that we offer here. And I forgot, I just now realized that I forgot to share that in the course of one of those communications, right. Summer was a very like smart and insightful person and was able to explicitly name that they were uh, utilizing me. Right. In essence where, well, when I'm on the weekends, I don't have access to my school social worker or my therapist. And so you are a trusted adult that I am going to in this vein. And um, and I just had to be like really real with them about like that, that it would be unethical for me to continue like these communications in this way, A, because I'm not trained in either of these roles, right? I am neither a social worker, nor a therapist, nor a mental health professional. And for me to to keep receiving these or to keep engaging in these communications is just really would be unethical. And so, and so, you know, this is far beyond the scope of our, my role within this organization. And so just moving forward, you have to know that like, if I receive some of these messages from you, I'm going to have to either like call 911, like refer out, right. And find the other, the other, um, better suited folks to address it. Um, so yeah, which feels connected to the conversation because all of this was happening via this digital communication pieces. Right. Um, but I think that for me, like that touches on a lot of different aspects of boundaries when we're talking about youth work. Well, and from my perspective, I feel like that is the when we talk about digital communication with young people, I think it just like poses a lot of different kinds of boundaries questions because people right. can be so much more accessible. So I'm, I know you're talking about like them reaching out on the weekends. Were they reaching out primarily via phone, via text, via? Um, yeah. So direct communications were often via text. Yeah, and and one time I think I got like a, a voicemail, like one of the um I will say, and this is before I deleted my Snapchat and really thought through my own 
like limitations of like boundaries with young folks. Cause I was like, I just don't use, I don't use Snapchat in the way that I'm not putting anything out there, but like, could this, you know, be a way for me to see how my young folks are engaging with one another. And then I was like, Nope, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. And, and so there were sometimes like snapped stories that summer would put out too, that were concerning. Um, and that was really when I decided, yep, like hardline, I'm not going to be connected to any young folks under the age of 21, which like builds in a buffer of at least two to three years from being involved in programming. Um, even though the organization didn't have necessarily any like hard policies around that. Right. Um, yeah. So then when you thought about like putting policies in place, where did you well, not for yourself. So, yes. Like, I mean, I know you said not the organization, but for yourself, like, so you landed in the tw- under 21 role. Well, I, I think like under 21 or like three to four years out of programming, right? Depending on because folks graduate at different ages. Um, but at that, that instance did open up a conversation at the organization to be like, well, we need to discuss this and led to right? Like, especially with young folks, whether they're coming through us for youth leadership or for advocacy assistance, right? That we are very clear up front. This is our role. This is the, the like, these are the methods of communication. These are the hours within which you can communicate, right? And so just being far more explicit with young folks, because I remember I also had a colleague who was experiencing the same, um, not not the exact same situation, but, you know, when young folks meet adults who may have, like, shared identities, particularly, right, within the LGBTQ communities, I feel, um, they're like, oh, we're, we have this connection now, right? And so it was, like, would be reaching out for, like, class interviews or, like, projects and just kind of, like, nonstop and what eventually had to be, like, hey, like, unless you're reaching out within this very kind of like specific road or like box, mm. it's it's not necessarily appropriate for us to be like in communication so frequently. Right. And so I think it helped that that incident actually helped a lot of folks in our organization realize the importance of spelling all of that out up front. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as you're telling that story. So I'm thinking about like what my own organizational policies in the various organizations I've worked for have been and what, how I have or had not, have not had to create my own policies, right? right, In addition to those. Um, And where I'm at now, we have a policy that you can't have a social media relationship Mm -hmm. with any participant or a family member of that participant Mm. for up to like five years or something after their engagement with the agency. But I think which is complicated by the fact that like where I work, we primarily provide mental health services. So right. even though the context of my work with young people is not right. um, direct service, like right. mental health provision, we still, I'm operating in a system that is sort of set up for that, which I think poses some really significant challenges when we think about like, what is the purpose of our communication with young people and what, well, oh, how sorry. accessible do we need to be? Well, right. And also, like, how do we, I remember when I first came into this position of, like, running youth leadership programming, Facebook 
was the was the channel through which the youth leadership team was communicating, right? And so when I came in, even before I was on staff at this organization, but came in as like a liaison to the youth leadership program, I was like, all right. So I started a separate Facebook account. I was like, you can't be connected to my personal one, but now I have this whole separate professional profile, um, which... Which not and then and then that changes, right? Because now no one, no young people are on Facebook because all of their family members right. are on, right? And so so now I think, you know, we do that as again part of expectation setting when we're onboarding new youth leaders into our programming. We say, all right, so like now we use GroupMe, right? And so like GroupMe and email are gonna be our primary methods of communication. Or, you know, I started a Google voice and now and I like was using I use that as my work cell number instead of like so no one has my personal Which, cell. For anyone anywhere who doesn't know what Google Voice is. Oh. 10 out of 10 on Google Voice. Um, well, what is Google Voice? I am explaining oh, okay. that I was going to say, I was explaining that Google Voice is basically a way that you can get a phone number through Google that is attached to your Google account. So whether like your Gmail or whatever, um, you can have a, a phone number that's attached to your Google account that then sends messages and calls directly to your cell phone. So it's like having a second cell phone without actually having a second cell phone. Um, So you don't have to carry two phones, but you can still turn it on and off. You can screen your calls that way. Um, You can check it on the computer, which I also find very helpful during the workday when I'm like trying to field communications with young people, but don't want to be like on my phone because phones are distracting. Um, So I want to like have it open right just next to my email, thinking about the ways that young people interact differently um, via text message versus email. So I think that's a big piece of it. Um, The And for me, like I have a Google account that's associated with my work email too which is different so like mm. my work email is uses outlook but i like set up a google account with that as the primary email address so all the pieces are connected and i encourage everybody all of my interns um and everybody else who like works with me to do the same thing so that also their communications are tied to our professional accounts right um so that nobody is getting messages to their individual account because i had that experience too so as a I found Google Voice during one of my graduate level field placements. I was doing case management in a housing Mm. um, agency and I was expected to use my personal cell phone to communicate with clients, um, but wasn't taught about Google Voice. Like nobody taught me that. That wasn't like normed um, or anything like that. And it was really hard to try to figure out. And I was green, like super green, Um, had never worked with young people not as a peer, like not as like a peer leader. It was like my first role as being like an adult Mm -hmm. professional. Um, and, and I remember, and it was my, I created a Google voice, but I connected it to my personal Google accounts because I thought I didn't, I didn't have a choice for starters. Um, but then what happened was then like clients that I had had as a intern then continued to contact me at this Google voice number, even after I left the agency. Um, because like, even though my agency email and all that stuff had been shut off, my Google voice was not because it was connected to my personal emails and all of that stuff. And so then that was really hard because I was trying to like circle back with the agency about like, this is what I'm hearing. And then I think they perceived that I had been like 
trying to maintain mm-hmm. a relationship, which I had not been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about pieces like that, which yeah. like I've also run into, like when you're talking about the social media piece, like I had a young person whose phone got shut off. And um, as a result of the phone being shut off, then started, had to communicate with me about something and like something totally appropriate, like I'm coming or I'm not coming right. or like arranging transportation or something like that. So then they found me on Facebook, my like personal Facebook account and started Facebook messaging me mm-hmm. about it, which again, like it wasn't that the content itself was inappropriate. Right. But then I was also like, oh, you are too close to me. But then also like that person has continued to engage with me on Facebook, right? And I can't like cut off the contact without like deleting my Facebook page or like blocking a young person who I don't want to block. Right. Right. So I feel like that also poses challenges too. Which I know to be like technical right now, like Facebook Messenger is also a complete its own thing outside right. of like a face the Facebook social media page. But also like my experience is that if a young person doesn't have a Facebook profile, they are not they are not very strong at like maintaining communications via Facebook Messenger, right? right. Like you're like yeah, so yeah. So I feel like that's really these are challenges. Well, and I, and it's funny because I feel like we've all, we've touched on a lot of different forms of communication, but I think when you were talking about having Google voice open, um, next to your email, just thinking through my observation is that a lot of young folks do not like talking on the phone like they don't accept calls they don't like ignore I think when right like or when we think about application or interview processes for our leadership um leadership program our leadership camp right and now that we're incorporating those aspects of it there's always a handful being like is there any way that I could not do that part of it because I've got really bad anxiety in which case I think they're like the video option is always helpful as well because I think it's just like seeing another face and being like um but but also like really real I don't like talking on the phone either. either um and also I think if not for you know, spending four years as a case manager, where it's just like, that is your job. It is email and phone. And it's just like, well, I'm not getting a response here. It's time to pick up the phone and follow the trail. Right. Um, I don't think I would be nearly as quick to take on that task. Right. Well, I think too, like around where I feel most challenged around setting boundaries around digital and phone communication is when I am not in the office. So Mm -hmm. like, I feel Mm -hmm. that it is relatively easy. Like I have no problems like texting young people. I think it's far more efficient. I am more likely to get a response. Quite honestly, it is a waste of my time to try to send email after email after email to a young person who I know is not checking their emails. So almost always when I send an email to a young person, I then text them and say, Hey, I sent you an email um, so that they know to go looking um because otherwise they won't i think where i feel most challenged about the ability to communicate digitally particularly via text messaging mm-hmm. or 
different kinds of messaging apps. Like we've mentioned GroupMe also, which is just like a a group message app that allows people to engage in a couple of different ways. I'm sorry. The one key for any youth workers oh, out there, yeah. what I did not know about GroupMe. You're welcome. Which, yes, you <laughs> taught me. Is that you? So the great thing about GroupMe is that you can share files, but you can also have a, gal- a calendar for your group, add calendar events, and then set auto reminders of those calendar events, which is really great as someone who is literally like back when it was on Facebook, which is like, all right, y'all, don't forget we have a meeting this week. No, now I set the meeting. I set an auto yeah. reminder for a week out and another for two days out, and boom. Group me does all the work for you me. You can collect RSVPs so yeah. you know who's coming uh, and you know how much pizza to order. Oh my goodness. It's so great. 10 yeah. out of 10. Yes. So, but I, and it also allows you to do individual messaging as well as group messaging, which can also be really helpful. Right. right. The challenge though, I think arises like per your story, right? Is when, then when we make ourselves accessible to young people, right. we are then accessible to young people yeah. in a whole different way. Can I ask you what do you have any outright explicit or just internally held rules around that? Again, noting that like there are often times when we're not in the office. And that's like quite honestly, when young folks are mostly I feel so guilty whenever I have to send a message to a group of young folks during the school day because I'm like, y'all should not be on your phones because you're in school. And yet, like, this is when I remember to send this, right? Um, oh. No, I do. Okay. No. So, like, I feel no guilt about okay, sending messages great. during the school day. The I mean, reason I'm why line of guilt, so it's right. good to be. But the reason why I sometimes. don't feel guilty about that is because I feel like young people also send me messages at times when I am not available. And like, I send my friends messages when I know that they're not available, right. and I don't do that because I'm expecting an immediate response. I do that because I'm trying to communicate something outwardly, right? right. I don't typically call young people during the day like right. that. I do tend to hold a boundary around. Right. Like I'll just text them and say like, Hey, like I know you're in school, like want to check in. Can you give me a call when you're free? Or can you let me know when you're free for a call? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like also allows young people the flexibility to use their free periods if they want to, right. which right. for a lot of the young people I work with, I think works better for them rather than trying to like wait until they're like, what about at night? Like, do you, there I tend to be a little bit more rigid. I think where I struggle, so what, and so it was interesting that you said this before, what I say to young people, so I have like a pretty thorough intake process Mm -hmm. for most of my youth programming. So a lot Mm -hmm. of our programming is like youth development programming, but because we have some structured weekly groups, I can Mm -hmm. be a little bit more um, discerning about how how, what information gets provided to young people when they join, right? So I have like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour long meeting, which we call a membership meeting because they're like members of our program, but it functions essentially as an intake um, in a more like clinical sense. And much of the questions that I use are borrowed from our clinical intake form. But we ask Mm -hmm. about like different parts of young people's lives, mostly as a way to like assess support, like determine needs for resources, but also to have a conversation about like what they need out of program. And as a part of that, it also provides me an opportunity to do some tone setting with young people around mm. like what our group agreements are as a program, like what are our kind of like non-negotiables, what do we, what happens if somebody like 
crosses a boundary that we set as a program? Um, what's the language that we use to talk about ourselves? Like all of that stuff. And as a part of it, we talk about communication, like mm-hmm. is a big part of that conversation and that expectation setting. And so I say when everybody, and I'll, it'll sound like a spiel because I say it all the time, right. but like we, all of the staff in our programs have work cell phone numbers. We give those out to young people. You are welcome to use them to call us, text us, leave us voicemails whatever, it is important for you to know that those are work cell phone numbers. Mm -hmm. And why that's important to understand is because it means that we don't answer them all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes we answer them at kind of weird times, right? So for example, like I am typically off on Monday afternoon. So even though you're sending me a text message at 2 p.m. on a Monday, which is like, quote unquote, standard work hours, I may not be working and you may not hear from me. I would say it's pretty reasonable to expect a response within a day or two. And if you don't feel free to follow up. Um, But also know that sometimes like it may take me a little bit longer to get back to you. It's also not about you. So I encourage young people, like if I don't respond to you, please do not take that personally. It is not because I'm like mad at you or trying to be like, Oh, I don't want to talk to so-and-so like that is not what's happening here. I'm just busy or I'm not in the office or something like that. Um, you're always welcome to call the main office. Like we have a main office number. I could say you can always call the main office number during business hours. If it's more urgent, you can try to send me an email. Like those are all options, but, but I will always get back to you. So if you send me a text, I will get back to you. It's just that sometimes it takes me longer. Um, so I tell that to young people from the get go. Well, and I mostly ask because I re- like relatively recently, and by that I mean like within the last couple months because time is weird for me. But like a colleague in the youth work field who had like written on social media, which was just like so real, was just like, you can write, like, if you're an adult writing me a professional email at work, like, you can probably expect a four to five day response time, but a young person, like, will get a response much more quickly, right? Um, which I was like, so real, right? Like, I, that I, pri- I oftentimes prioritize communications from young folks, but also realizing and sitting in that space of, of yes, to your point, like set the expectation, hold boundaries. And yet I also know, like I've been the one at home sometimes to be like, oh, there's some chatter going on. Let me address this in the moment instead right. of being like, nope, I'm not at work right now. Like yes. I'm not gonna Ugh. do that. <laughs> times a hundred. Well, and I think too, like that's something I've actually gotten the longer I've been in the field, the more mm. comfortable I have gotten with answering digital communications from young people outside of work hours. Mm. So when I first started, I was really rigid mm. about some of those boundaries. And quite honestly, I was also working with fewer supports. Like mm. I was in an organization with fewer right. supports. I felt like I had more responsibility and quite honestly, like fewer skills. Right. So mm. like I was worried about getting something like a crisis call and not having anyone to call right. to consult. Like I was really worried about stuff like that. So I would just turn off the notification so that I just couldn't even get it because I just didn't mm. even know how to deal mm-hmm. versus like now I'm a, a little bit more comfortable. Like I would know what to do if that happened right. in a different way. But I also think that one of the things I realized is that sometimes just addressing the issue sooner makes my job easier. Right. So being more flexible right. around my boundaries actually serves me in the long run. Like this happened not that long ago. I was like, we, I was out. And, um, I saw in like our group chats, there was this whole kerfuffle about how the meeting time had changed, which was because one of my young people had, was on vacation and in a different time zone. And so for them, the meeting appeared to be at a different time. 
but the meeting was actually but not at a different time. Than right. <laughs> and in fact, it was not actually at a different time. But then there was this whole thing about like, oh my God, what time is the meeting? And is it at this time? And da, 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 da. And I was like, y'all. And I just like, and I couldn't write. And I think there was a time in my life where I would have like dropped, I would have been like grumpy about it. Like, or had turned off all my notifications right. and not even seen it and then shown up to run a meeting that no one was at right. because I didn't right. bother to like right. be flexible. So I feel like from my perspective, one of the things I've realized is that actually my life is easier when I'm more flexible yeah. about my boundaries around things like that. Right. Cause instead I could just message everyone and be like, Nope, the meeting is still at the same time that it always is. Yeah. Like, this is just like, are you in a different time zone? That's my guess about what's happening. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's a big, that's been a big shift for me over mm-hmm. time. Like the longer I'm in the field, the more flexible I am, which doesn't mean that I answer, but I think I also feel more confident about getting a, getting a message or receiving a phone call and not responding when it's not the appropriate time. Right. Well, and I think I've got, I, and similarly, I think I've gotten better at discerning what does what does necessitate a quicker response right. and what doesn't right i think to your point like what makes my job easier but then also recognizing like i think i also try and consider like well what makes this young person's job easier right if they're messaging me about like a workshop that they're developing right or something that is for a leadership program then i might be i might respond to that a little bit more quickly than if they're just asking like well when is the meeting? Because they can check the calendar, right? Like you can utilize some of the resources that you have to, to also find that information out. Right. Right. Well, and I think like one of the other things that I feel like I've circled around is also wanting to, especially in group digital messaging situations, Mm -hmm. not always wanting to be the first person to respond, right? Like allowing space for peer supports, Mm -hmm. because I actually think they get more out of that than if I am always responding to every question, then they never have the benefit of recognizing that they're a team who is sufficient on their like own. They say they don't need me. And so like, I think that's a really important part of like, not always leaping to sort of like, join into the conversation usually I kind of see my role in that space as providing clarification at the end so like let them have the exchange and then at the end I'm like yes this is the thing um and just being as clear as possible in my communication so that they can have that moment of like peer-to-peer supports which I know we're talking about digital communications but I feel like that is also such a helpful tool in IRL like right like when questions pop up and you're in groups with young folks like let them all answer it first um and then okay I'm gonna come in to synthesize totally and right like fill in any gaps and then be like okay done so thinking about especially about the group chat makes me think about kind of circling back to our original story that you had shared is sort of thinking about how you respond in a group chat situation when somebody shares something that's not appropriate for a digital communication. So like, like <laughs> uh. <laughs> ugh, yeah, it's like the worst because um, I'm thinking about like several situations like of varying degrees, right? Like sometimes it's like very intense, right? Like sometimes it's that the content is too intense for what the group can hold. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just like inappropriate use of the group, right? So like, it's not that the content is necessarily too big or too much, but that it's just not the appropriate, it's not the appropriate space space. or time 
or time right. to yes <laughs> to to have the conversation that that young person is trying to have. And and this happens in individual conversations too. But I'm curious how you've handled it of like when you need to redirect a young person away from a digital space, especially in a group space. How have you how do you handle it? Um, I mean, I think to a certain point. So first, usually what I would do if I see something unfolding, well, it depends. Am I the only adult in the group chat? If there are other adults in the group chat, then first I'm reaching out to them to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm handling this. Like, don't, don't take it upon because like, especially if that person like is an intern or a volunteer or someone who is like newer to the field, right. Or the practice. Um, I don't want them necessarily being seeing something that is intense or could be perceived as a crisis and being like, well, I need to right, like responding like earlier versions of myself have of like, well, I need, I clearly need to help this young person. Um, So reaching out to them first and being like, Hey, letting you know, I see this, I'm on it. Then reaching out to the young person directly and saying like, what's up? Like what's going on? Um, And again, I think determining like, like if there are needs that needs to be met, let's figure out who the best folks are for those, because this is, this isn't the right, like thinking about the larger group, like if there are no other folks in there who might be able to meet those, then this isn't the right place for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily like, I don't know if I've ever been so direct in that language of just being like, well, what is it that you're seeking? And let's find the people who can provide that. But also like, these are the people that you should be seeking that from. Right. Right. And then, you know, trying as best as possible to like circle back. And I don't know, I don't think I would necessarily go back into the group setting to be like, Hey y'all like, but then like reaching out to the other folks in that chat one-on-one and being like, Hey, just wanted to close the loop. Like I touch base with so-and-so and maybe that even that's like, right. I wouldn't necessarily give information that didn't need to be shared, but just like, I want you to know that like, I, I address this. I'm handling it. Right. Um, I'm adulting here. Right. Um, but that, and I think like just any best practice, right? Like if we, if it was a call, then I'm also going to be sending you an email and I'll acknowledge in the call, like, I recognize that you might not see that email. The email is for my records, right? Because like, that is how we document things. And Mm. so I'm going to then send you an email (laughs) as a young person and be like, Hey, regarding our last call, when we discussed X, Y, Z and we decided on action steps one, two, three, right? Like, because then should God forbid, like anything happen out in the Mm -hmm. wild, right? Like I, I am covered. I, um, am saying like, well, yeah, I did like, here are the receipts. Like, this is what happened in the group chat. This is the steps I followed. This is the result of that. Right. Mm, That's smart. I don't think I've thought very much about documentation for things like, I don't think I've had that thought in the past. Um, Particularly remembering that like, not just because it's digital doesn't mean it all lives forever, like in the cloud. Right. Right. Like, I think sometimes that's a perspective that I hold that like, oh, well, like this will, you know, like, I don't need to, I don't need to put this anywhere else because it Mm. already exists here. But just remembering, I think that's a really important thing to remember. But I also feel like, it's interesting because I think when I've been in that situation, 
most often I've just had to say like, this isn't an appropriate conversation for us to have over, or like, I'm not, usually Mm. I say, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable having this Mm. conversation over text message. Mm. When can you come in? Um, But I always try to think about like when I've been in those situations, when I felt like I have had young people who are sort of pushing the boundary of what is an appropriate conversation to be having over text message, particularly when they're young people that you feel particularly connected to or that you I think like feel more comfortable right who you feel like generally have more boundaried relationships right but I always try to remind myself too of like okay if it was this person in my group who is like the least boundaried and the Mm -hmm. most reactive if that person was texting Mm -hmm. me about this would I feel comfortable Mm -hmm. answering Mm -hmm. um and if the answer is no then like this is not this is not a digital conversation Mm -hmm. Um, because like you people, there's always like the wild card possibility, right? Like you just never know. And so even though, especially when you can't see somebody and you can't see what their affect is and like, right, we're interacting with so many young folks with so many different kinds of mental health concerns, so many different kinds of like volatile family dynamics. I don't know. I just like, that's, I think helpful to hear your perspective around sort of like the documentation and follow-up piece too. Well, and then I also think, and it's interesting thinking, hearing you speak because you're like, oh, I ask if they come in, but y'all have like a limited like service area, right? Which isn't like, I know you see young folks in your programs from beyond like certain, but like for, right, like we don't have, like we have an office that is like centrally located to this larger metropolitan area, right? right? And then, but like our statewide organizing like mechanism right right? and so um well i have asked for a video call right well and that's why yeah and that's when i get or or that's why usually my default is like the phone like i'm gonna try and call you i'm gonna i want to hear you and then i want to also um and i know that you and i have have spoken off air around like these kind of differences of that um oh that's a good topic to talk about like parent engagement for for a future episode, mm-hmm. our dear listeners, but I don't do like my leadership program does not typically involve a lot of parent in, in involvement or engagement. That is not to say that I don't have relationships with other supportive adults in that. Yeah, like right. I might look to like what school are you at? Like, are you mm. in a student group? Like, do I know your teacher or do I know one of your teachers or are you in like a drop in center? Right, like. Who, who do I know who may be connected to you that I can ask, like, what's going on? And are, is this person okay? And can you follow up with them IRL since I can't, right? Mm. Yeah, I feel like lots of good future topics in there. About parent <laughs> engagement, responding to crisis, right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, so with that, I'm going to close this out of this conversation cool. before we open all the other conversations right. that we could be having. Um and just check us out of this conversation. So um, our checkout question today is just to share either an inspiration or a question. So something that you feel inspired or called to as a result of this conversation or a question that you're holding moving forward that you want to circle back to. Oh my goodness. I feel like so, all of my inspirations are always laden with questions. I mean, it can be a both hand. I mean, it is, isn't it always. Um I think for me, especially out of the latter part of this conversation, is I'm inspired to codify a little bit and 
manualize, I realize that it's kind of like at the forefront of my brain of like, how do we document um, policies, procedures, processes, but then also recognizing that, um, you know, as I kind of like grow or as our organization grows and we're relying more on like volunteer or intern help, um, particularly with like time limited, um, what are those called? Commitments, right? Like usually like it's a quarter or a semester uh-huh. or a summer or a year, right? Like how do you, again, like the onboarding, like how do you bring people on and teach them all of this stuff, right? And make sure that they know what the expectations mm-hmm. are in these spheres um, so that they're also able to to respond accordingly. Mm, that was a both hand. Yep. Um, yeah, I think I feel similarly inspired to create some processes around um, onboarding is maybe not the right term, but I think orienting maybe um, youth leaders to the purpose of a group message mm. um, and how to help youth leaders understand like what what when we have like a working group message how that might be different than like a peer support group message recognizing that those are always overlapping in some capacities um so my my related question um is about you know where where are those overlaps appropriate and where are they getting in the way of the work that we're trying to do together so i think i feel inspired to sort of think through think through and document those processes um to help young people also learn how to use digital spaces appropriately, because I think it's hard mm-hmm. to know how to do that yeah. appropriately. Uh, ever building of skill sets. All right. That's it for this episode of the third space. We hope you'll be back next time for our episode on graduation and transitions. We'd love to have listener questions and ideas on future episodes, so please, please, please send us your brilliance in a voice memo to info at airandwaterwork.com. Thanks, youth workers. We see you. We appreciate you. You rock.